This show is brought to you by Whatever You Say Productions, starting conversations since 2018. Yay! <laughs> what a starter to an episode. <laughs> We're all tired, but you know what? Welcome and welcome back to episode 23 of Dicks and Politics. We have a very special guest with us today. Of course, there's me, Samantha. And you, Laura. And we also have... Darren Carp! Come on down! I've never had to introduce myself before, but I feel like I gave myself a standing ovation. You did, and it's well-deserved. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, we're tickled to have you. My Um, pleasure. Always always nice to join the WISP productions, as I like calling you guys. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I have to give you a big thank you, not only for calling us WISP productions, I'll take it, but also because... Darren, if it weren't for you, I would never have met Aurora. So walk, walk me through that story again. So Aurora is one of your listeners on Martinis and Murder. Aurora is a very good listener. Aurora is my favorite listener. Well, stop it. You're just saying that. No. Best name fan, too. So when you came on for episode whatever, I think it was episode eight or something like that, where I basically yeah. sat there and cackled the entire time. <laughs> Literally just laughed on the floor while I ate Doritos. Like I probably said three words that entire episode because we were just all <laughs> dumbfounded. You were just like laughing like to yourself. Like, no one knew the joke. <laughs> we're all looking at each other like, what? What? You were in a fit. I know. I know I was, but. It's nice to see well, you did a promo, you know, and you were like, yay, I'm doing Dixon Politics. And uh, Aurora was like, wow, a podcast called Dixon Politics. What could be wrong with that? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so true. So then, Aurora, I'll let you take the story from there. So then I started listening in on Dixon Politics. I fell in love with everyone. And I, I kind of started listening every week. And then... Sam commented on one of my Instagram pictures and then I commented back and we started chatting and then the next episode they were talking about Brexit so they said if you have any kind of relationship with Brexit or if you've experienced it or whatever hit us up um and we can talk about it so I slid into the DMs of course yeah you did and I was like hey I live in the UK I'm not from here we can talk about this so yeah the rest is history I guess but I had her on and then I hired her like the second the interview I'm like, uh, would you join us? And she's like, fuck yeah, I will. So now, yeah. So here That's we are. awesome. So thank you're, you. You're, inter- you're international now, Sam. I am international. We have two people over in the UK now. We've got Aurora that does Dixon Politics, and then we've got Steven that does Game Over. So yeah, yeah. I'm a global CEO. Look out. That's right, baby. <laughs> As I Look sit in my parents' home. Well, Laura, thank you so much for listening to my own podcast, Martinis and Murder. Just plugging it one more time. Anytime. I love it. So here's what we're going to cover in this episode. We're going to be talking a little bit about the Mueller report and, of course, what happened with Notre Dame Cathedral. And then there were protests for climate change over in London. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about Coachella because... The whitest thing on earth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then um, we're going to have my kit list from It's Bro Time join us to, of course, give us a sports rundown later. And then we're going to talk about Darren's new show because Darren is just a woman of 
a million different talents. You're just, ugh, bye. I, you're my role and, model. I want to be you, but I'm not. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I can't. But anyways, let's get into it, you guys. Our first segment, What's Burning? So the Mueller report, which is sort of just like the thing that, that everyone is talking about and that won't go away, was a huge topic of discussion this week. Darren, <laughs> thoughts, feelings, and emotions. I know you feel very passionately about Trump. <laughs> um, well, I'm into politics, of course. Uh, I think that the Mueller report isn't going to have anything. I think that the liberals and the Democrats are really like, holding on to the Mueller report is going to be sort of their golden ticket into getting Trump out of office. And I'm just not that optimistic about that whole thing. I basically think, and listen, I'm not going to read the 450 page Mueller report. <laughs> I probably wouldn't even understand half of it. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, I'm not sure even how much is redacted, although like, you know, everything that was said in grand jury had to be redacted. But for what I can sort of gather from news, I talked about this with my dad last night at our Passover dinner. I gather that basically you know, what the Mueller report is saying is he didn't necessarily commit a crime that we can pinpoint to say, OK, he did X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. But pretty much up until that point, he smells like shit. You know, like he's done everything up into the point of that we can say, like, OK, that's a crime. Now, also, to be fair, he's coming out and saying, like, you know, this totally vindicates me. I feel validated. There was no obstruction of justice. Mueller did say if there was no obstruction of justice, we would say that there's no obstruction of justice. And we're not saying that. Right. So I think that Trump is trying to divert um, something that I think he knows he's going to look bad in. But let's read. the. I mean, let's, you know, let all the, the smart people in the world who want to read the report, read the report and and get back to us. Now, keep in mind that just because it's a report, you know, Fox News is going to report something different than the New York Times and the oh, National Enquirer that, you know, <laughs> um, Wall Street Journal. And so I think it's important, especially for what no matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on, to read multiple different accounts. Yes. That way you just have a little bit of a, a flavor of like how different texts could be interpreted. Yeah. Um, that's sort of what I feel about it. I don't think it's going to be anything to impeach him over. No, I would agree with you on that. I would definitely agree with you. And I think that it's sort of, I don't know, I don't know if I'm phrasing this correctly, but I almost feel like it kind of levels the playing field a bit. It's sort of like puts, and I don't want to say Republicans because that's not fair because it's not every Republican that's like, oh, Trump's it, you know. I want to say, you know, it, it sort of puts Trump supporters a little bit it knocks them down a few pegs because everything that we thought was maybe happening, oh, we're not sure, has basically been confirmed that like, yes, it did or something very close to it did occur. So yeah. it kind of knocks them down a little bit. But I also hope that non-Trump supporters will take this opportunity to not come out guns a-blazing, hot and ready to yell and let's really look at what we have going on right now with this administration and with this presidency. But realistically, it's, can you see that happening? Because I don't think that Trump really set not. that precedent for his constituency. You know, like of he should not. have said when it came out, you know, maybe that he wasn't a committed of a crime. He should have said something to unify, I think, the nation at that point. It would have been a really good opportunity for him to say, like, listen, now that this is behind us, 
you know, I really right. hope that we can move forward with this right. as a nation united. And he didn't do that. He was like, no. me, me, me. I'm validated. You guys of all course. suck. Well, because he likes to make everything a win for him. I mean, you, it was so funny. You called it when the last time we had you on the show, we were dealing with the government shutdown. And you're like, listen, listen, crystal ball, here's what's going to happen. He is going to, it's going to end. Sooner rather than right. later, it's going to end. He's going to find a way to spin it as a win for him, but it's not a win for him. So, of course, no, I don't expect that his supporters will behave that way. And I don't expect ever that he will um, encourage them to do so. This is a really good opportunity, I think, for the Democrats and the liberals. And I don't necessarily mean to conflate the two, but I just think mm -hmm. that for ease of it, I mean, you guys, the left. I think it's a really good opportunity to say to yourself, listen, we have the first debates in June, you know, put up candidates that are, it's not just going to be Mueller report, Mueller report, Mueller report. Right. It's not just going to be, you know, identity politic. The left isn't going to win with a Bernie Sanders or a Kamala Harris or an Elizabeth Warren. Like Pete Buttigieg seems pretty interesting right now. You know, he's gay, he's a vet, he's a mayor, he's held office. He seems like very likable. I think this is a good opportunity for the left to really analyze how they want to tackle this. Because mm -hmm. I got to say, after 2016, I think Trump has six more years in him. And, and, and it's sort of his race to win unless the left can really unify and figure out, you know, how to reach the most amount of people and what they want. When Trump leaves office, which <laughs> I mean, I, he could squat in it. I mean, he could he could get another four years, which is fine. But then yeah. after the eight years, he could just squat and probably not leave office. I mean, I could sort of, I know. sort of see that happening, which is a little frightening. But, you know, <laughs> but here's my question is. What's going to happen to him when he is no longer our president? Is he going to be indicted? Is he going to be like, is he going to go to jail? Or is he going to manage just like he's managing through his presidency to just sort of sail through and explain everything away and twist it around so that he, quote unquote, stays on top, comes out on top? Do you think he'll be able to do that once he becomes a private citizen again? Or do you think that the justice system in the United States is going to hold him accountable for his actions? I think you can only be held accountable for actions that you can be proven to be held accountable for. I mean, I I, I, I think it's easy for us, you know, on, on a different side of politics to say like, oh, he's easing through and he's just He's just saying it as a win. I think he's absolutely terrified. I think there's no one that knows better than him that how unfit he is to be president. Mm -hmm. And I and I think he really knows that. You know, Trump denying everything and sort of the Jesse Smollett thing of saying, like, I'm going to double down on this and hope that it goes away. I think as a private citizen, when he realizes that no one will, will I'm hoping, certainly in New York City where he lives, no one will continue to give a shit about him that he will uh, hopefully retreat into a life of solitude, but that won't happen. No, no, it won't. I'm interested to see if he'll write a book. <laughs> or if he'll do, I just, yeah. Well, you should I put right air quotes. Yeah, well, right. Oh, there'll be that for sure. I, Michael I'm Moore, hoping yeah. that, like, behind the scenes now, he's filming every moment of his life, and then hopefully four years from when he went into office, but maybe eight years later, he'll be like, surprise, this is my Just experience. Yeah. up with the Trumps. Funny, he will, yeah. Speaking of actual tragedies, Notre Dame Cathedral, oh my God. I mean, I was right in the middle of a meeting when I, I found out what was happening. Aurora 
where were you? Because it was sort of the early evening for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I was just at home. I'd just come home from work. I was watching reruns of Jane the Virgin, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is incredible, by the way. Everyone yes. Um, and yeah, I just got a notification on my phone because I get BBC and CNN okay. notifications. And like between like within seconds of each other, they both sent out pretty much the same thing saying Notre Dame is in flames. Which is horror. Have you been to Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah. I've been to Paris a couple of times and I stayed on the island right oh. next to Notre Dame. So, it, like, I've seen it and it's such a gorgeous church. But the kind of silver lining is they managed to save um, the majority. Of it. Yeah, most yeah, of it. Yeah. Also, I saw this store and it was really, really like, it touched my heart. There were 200,000 bees at the top of the church that survived. <laughs> I know. Bees? The, yeah, yeah, bees. The keeper was so yeah. worried about it because yeah. he's and the police wouldn't tell him if his bees were okay. I know. But then they ended up being okay. They were okay. The bees were okay. It was I'm gonna, so sweet. I'm yeah, gonna so cry. That touched my heart. And <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, it is heartbreaking because it's such a symbol of France and it's such a symbol of everything that they stand for and their mm-hmm. culture and their history. Um, but I was talking to a friend at work who is from France, actually, and she was saying that this will actually bring a lot of work to artisans in the local area who have kind of studied their entire life for this. And they'll now be able to work on such an incredible project. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think another I mean, there's already like no $700 one... million dollars donated to that yeah, place. Yeah, so. which is well, ridiculous. Right before we recorded this, I was recording with the guys from Game Over and we were discussing how Ubisoft, which is a French, uh, it's a developer for video games, and one of their games, I think it was the Assassin's Creed game, they had an artist that works for their company that spent two years taking like 3D photos of of Notre Dame and recreating it in a three-dimensional sense for that game. So not only are they donating close to five Five hundred thousand U.S. dollars, um, but they're—they also, thank goodness, they have all those renderings because that's going to be really helpful for all the architects oh, wow. and the artisans to yeah. to understand sort of the space between the different columns and all the different measurements. And it was just awful. It was absolutely awful. I've never so I've been to Notre Dame. I was there when I was eight years old with my mother, and I remember going there. And um, you know, we're not—we're certainly not religious, um, but. You can absolutely appreciate, you know, when you're there. It, it is very, it's breathtaking. It's overwhelming. It's a symbol of faith. It's a symbol of artistry and architecture. And it's a serious, like, historical, <laughs> you know, landmark that's been oh, here yeah. for hundreds and hundreds of years. Darren, have you been to Notre Dame? Many times, many times. I love it. I went on a first, I ever went, it was a teen tour when I was in high school. And then uh, my girlfriend travels to Paris about all the time, like every month. So we're there quite a bit and it's just a gorgeous cathedral. I mean, certainly I'm not religious at all, but just like art architecturally and structurally, mm-hmm. it's just such a symbol. It's such a beacon of everything in, in, in Paris. And I'm, I'm glad it's going to be restored. I'm kind of hoping my uncle was saying, cause he's in construction. It'd be cool if they live. It was like a constant live feed of the construction. Yeah. yeah. Like he could go down and he could always kind of like stream into it. So considering it's the 21st century, that would be like, really cool for people around the globe who just could never see it even though the spire went down is that what it's called a spire yeah the spire. okay so the spire went down but the stained glass window is okay the bees are okay and i don't think any i think what was it like one firefighter was injured but other than that 
Nobody was hurt. Most of the sculptures were out. The like, artwork no was out. Died. No one died or anything like that, which was no. yeah. Yeah. Well, great. So, Aurora, there have been some marches going on for climate change over in London. What what the heck is happening over there? Yeah, so it's a movement called Extinction Rebellion, and they've kind of taken over London, really. So um, they've affected loads of public transport in central London. Um, Oxford Circus, which is like the main hub for kind of the shopping district here in London, has been shut down. So no buses have been able to go through for for the past three days. Um, They just cleared it out this afternoon, actually, and this is Saturday today um, when we're recording. Um, But yeah, it's been... I think it's a great movement and we should raise awareness for how badly climate change is changing our world. But it's kind of been an intense way to spread that message. So, yeah, like I said, they've kind of taken over um, Oxford Circus, which is such a main hub. They have completely taken over Waterloo Bridge, which is one of the main bridges on um, here in London. And they've kind of just camped out. They're doing loads of like demonstrations and stuff like that. Is it a new movement or is it just like, okay, okay. Yeah, they're new. Um, And it's pretty much to raise awareness ahead of the EU elections that are Mm going to be happening on the 23rd of May, um, just to kind of entice people to vote for more greener parties and people who put forward more ideas about promoting climate change and how we can sort of retract it Um, but one thing one story that really got me was a guy who super glued himself to a train to raise awareness so he literally yeah he put a sign next to him saying I'm super glued please don't pull me Um, and yeah he was just super glued to a train there so they had to stop the entire line and stuff Um, yikes but I'm all for it I think we should really raise awareness and what we can do in our small kind of circle of the pond to help I think we should um, I've just switched to renewable energy in my apartment and I've like been telling everyone because <laughs> I'm like, we really need to do something. So yeah, no, I'm all for it. Have the, uh, are there protests going on like all day and night or are they just organized like during the week? What's the. Yeah. All day and night. Um, it's been going on since Tuesday. Um, and yeah, they're pretty much just there camping out. It has been quite, I mean, the police have gone really hard on them. They've been removing loads of people. Um, and they actually stopped. Um, protesting in Oxford Circus because the police removed them but they were threatening to affect Heathrow Airport over Easter holiday weekend just because they wanted to kind of spread the message but the police here in the UK were told to use the full force of the law whatever that means Um, so yeah yeah Yeah, exactly so yeah they're going on all day and all night until they can really wow yeah well, I'm glad that's happening. And this is why we have our other podcast, Microscope. Yeah, well, I think that's fantastic. Good for them. Good on them. Yeah. But you know what? We've been so serious, ladies. We've been so freaking serious. Let's This get is into like our... when your grandma voice comes out and you're like, all right, girls, let's do cookies <laughs> Carols. Well, I'm excited to talk about Coachella as we all collectively roll our eyes. So let's get into it. Our next segment, hashtag, hashtag. Darren, what did you call Coachella? The whitest thing on earth. (laughs) Apparently, Homecoming, the new documentary from Beyonce, is all about how she's bringing black culture to Coachella. So I just haven't seen it yet to have an opinion on it. Uh, But I just always think Coachella, I mean, I sort of mean this facetiously, but, you know, Jimmy Kimmel does this bit, uh, like, usually every year during Coachella where, like, a man on the street would go interview some like hipster hippie white chicks from Laurel Canyon. And they're like, 
oh, did you like uh, underwear shirt today? And they're like, yeah, man, that band was great. And they never yeah. played. And like, you know, everyone's just they about like Instagram. Exist. Yeah, they don't even exist. And everyone's just like, those are some with, like, of my Instagram. favorite videos ever. They're they like, too. oh my God, yeah, they were incredible. Like that bass. And it's like, who are they? They don't exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just think that's so clever. And that's kind of how I think of it when I think of Coachella. Well, Adriana and I were going through the like Coachella hashtag and we were looking at all the outfits, quite some looks this year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Always, which is like I always celebrate originality. But the thing is, is like there's nothing original about it anymore. But, you know, I will say uh, I did wait up for Ariana Grande's performance. I feel so bad for her because her was right before Ariana and the stream was just a little bit slower than what was happening live. So all the millions of people that were trying to watch it on YouTube were like, get her off the stage, blah, blah, blah. And people that were at Coachella were tweeting. They're like, no, don't worry. Ariana's here. Everything's on time. There's just a lag on the stream. So Ariana Grande... She killed it, man. She really killed it. She brought in Sync out with her. She brought Diddy out. She brought Nicki Minaj. And um, she didn't. Where bring I... Justin Timberlake, though, right? It was everyone but Justin. Yeah, it was uh, the B list yeah. in Sync. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. I mean, hey, not bad. I'm just saying. No. Let's be clear, Sam. Sorry. Well, hey. I I don't even say. I'll be honest with you. Like Justin Timberlake, I'm I'm over you, man. I'm over you. Uh, your Man in the Woods album, you went around and you made such a big bing bong about it and it sucked and it flopped. It terrible and he has such a bad attitude about being associated with the people that were the gentlemen that were in sync with him. And I don't like that. You know, every single time they're given an opportunity to do this, that, or the other, he doesn't take it. The only thing he's done with them is the their little Hollywood walk of fame. They finally got a star, and then he was nice enough to bring them all over to the Ellen show. Other than that, like, he's just... So anyways, moving away from Justin Timberlake, I want to focus on the, the guys. You could definitely tell that JC was really nervous when they first came out. Um... He, you know, he was a little bit pitchy. You could see it. Like, you can usually see it in their eyes and their body language. Even if they are dancing and they are moving around, you can always tell when someone's nervous. But then they all loosened up. The guys looked great. They sounded great. Then, later on in the performance, Nicki Minaj comes out. So, first of all, I don't know how many cameramen they had on uh, Ariana. But the one cameraman that they cut to got Nicki at the most unflattering and she's beautiful but the most unflattering angle of her before she even got up on the stage so it like for the people that were watching the live stream it kind of ruined the surprise for us like we were all hoping that Nicki Minaj would come out but we didn't know for sure that she would and then all of a sudden she's there girls let me tell you her in-ears and Ariana's both stopped working now in-ears are tough because first of all they're super uncomfortable second of all most of them are like connected by Bluetooth, so they can they can drop, they can go out. And what I loved about that moment was Nikki's trying to rap. She's trying to give it her all, but she can't hear herself. And as you guys know, there's a huge lag between when they're saying something and when we can actually hear it. It's at least a half a second to a second long. What I loved about that moment was Ariana was doing everything she could. She was like eye to eye with Nikki doing everything she could to just keep Nikki focused. She's trying to, you know, give her the beat. She said into her mic, like, 
we can't hear anything. And then when it was all over, because you could tell Nikki was really embarrassed and she was super upset, which I think anyone would be. Ariana, like, put her arm around her and walked her off the stage. You know what? I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Ariana Grande as an actual, like, person because I've heard from many people who have worked with her or had brushes with her that she is highly unpleasant and very entitled and she's not warm at all but I can really appreciate like woman to woman how she handled that moment and I thought that was quite lovely and um you know Nikki looked great obviously yeah then Diddy came out and it was really cool to see him and he had someone with him and forgive me I can't remember his name uh I think they were definitely a little intoxicated, as one would be at Coachella. But you know what? They came out. They were on time. Their mics were on. They were ready to go. And they were having a lot of fun. And, you know, they were dressed. That You know, so fine. You want to be a little tipsy? That's totally fine. But, yeah. She That's was the only way to get through to Coachella. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so she was only supposed to do a set for 45 minutes, but it ended up being like an hour and a half. And there were two different like fireworks shows during it. I watched the whole thing. Adriana and I watched, we stayed up until 345 in the morning and watched the entire thing. And it was just fabulous. You guys are going to have to watch it. Um, yeah, she does four right. different costume changes. I really liked how she went through all of her songs. I was impressed with it. it. It made a lot of sense, the way that she went through her different hits. And it was sort of cohesive and one very seamlessly flew, you know, flew. flew. Oh, my God. What am I looking for? Slid? You're so drunk right now, Link? Sam. <laughs> yeah, as I drink my seltzer water. Yeah. Take a drink. <laughs> that what Flowed. There we go. One flowed right into the next. And it was just a fabulous performance. Aurora, people in the UK, what is your impression of uh, Coachella goers? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. That is a good question. I feel like I'm a bit more involved because, I mean, I'm half American and my family lives in California. My cousin went to Coachella, so I'm a bit more kind of involved in that scene. Um, But I really don't think anyone here in the UK gives a shit, to be completely honest. (laughs) I really do not think. I barely give a shit. I, like, don't care. No, I feel like... Yeah, they're, they're more interested in maybe like Glastonbury or all the festivals that go on here in the UK. Um, but Coachella is really not on their radar just because yeah. it's like uber California and I'm yeah. not even California. It's like uber Palm Springs if you're like rich yeah. and have two grand to like throw on a VIP tent. It's like I can't relate to that. And what even is the VIP experience is it worth it i aren't they and i'm pretty sure yeah it's 2000 you're right but then there's another one that's like super vip that's 10 grand a person yeah those are like like those are like cabanas though like right by the stage i mean nothing is worth it for me to stand around other people that i hate so much and pay 10 grand to do that it's like the successful fire festival i was just gonna say yeah it's Mm -hmm. like Except uh, speaking of the fire festival, <laughs> did you guys watch those documentaries? I, I love did. them. I watched- yeah, me too. Man, oh man, what a mess. I and you know them. what's funny is when you watched that guy who came up with all of it and his interview, it was Billy. like there was no remorse at all. There was just nothing. And what's even sadder was his girlfriend being like, yeah. I love him. Like, what? And then yeah, his but- mother being like, yeah, he's always been high energy. 
And I'm thinking, why is no one in this life going, hey, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Well, this is like Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Like, that's what I don't understand. It's like the day that the show comes out, right, or the day the product launches, and you know it's not going to work. What are you saying to yourself? For me, I like, I I could never let it go that far. No. It's insane. It's insane. Mm -mm. With the amount of money these people spent as well, like they flew out to this island and. Exactly. It was, and the fact, the. My issue was, okay, fire Festival's over. It was, like, the worst shit show known to man. You go home. You're on probation. You're going through all these legal malarkey whatever. Right. You then find an apartment in the middle of nowhere and start doing the same thing. Like, he was selling all tickets to people. And it's like, <laughs> are you going to stop, though? Like He did. He has a scam in prison right now. Yeah. Like, a music thing in prison. I'm just like, okay, so clearly he's, like mentally i don't even know what the word is but it's right. like it's, it's having like a dose of reality yeah it's like jesse smollett it's like donald trump like forgive me here's my opinion it's like you look at those three people and you're like wait 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 what are you doing you right. know that yeah. what you're doing is wrong you know that it's going to hurt people you know it's going to make no sense and you also know that it's going to completely ruin your reputation or your credibility forever and you're just going to do it anyway all right cool like balls but to the Let's but go. I don't know if that's the, I actually don't know if that's what he thought. Like, I don't know if he even had the wherewithal to say like, yeah, this is going to ruin my reputation. Like, cause if he actually thought that, then why, like there was nothing for him to gain unless he canceled that thing. Like there, there, there was absolutely no gain. He knew it was going to fail. So if he was so concerned with himself, like why didn't he just cancel it? That's what I don't understand. I, well, I exactly. like said no. He had no, um, like, he just doesn't read other people. I don't know, like, an insecure narcissist? I don't know how else right. to put it. Yeah. Oh, maybe I it's, think that's a good one. <laughs> maybe it's just the idea of going down with your ship instead of admitting that you failed is more Right, I'm in this far it. now. Yeah. Yeah. And then Can't back you out failed now. so bad, but you've gotten kind of a rush from it. So then he, he'll continue to do it. It's like a con man or a con artist. Mm-hmm. They continue right. doing it until they get caught and put in prison. But then they still have that urge. They still have that rush, you know? Right. It's That's nuts. why I'm like, I don't even know if he has the capacity to say what I did was wrong. I feel like he just no. has the capacity to say, I just got caught. No, yeah, the exactly. only thing that he admitted to, or not even admitted to, the only things that he would acknowledge is like, this one teeny tiny little component probably wasn't the best or this other little teeny tiny part of this probably wasn't the best, but there was no, this was wrong. There was no, I knew this was nothing. It was just crazy. But anyways, all right. So let's, you know what? We need to talk about Darren for a second. So you've just started tiny talk show, which I think, first of all, I want to know like who, whose idea was this? Was this your idea? Like, what team did you pull in? How are you producing this thing? I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, It's actually me and my partner, Alex Diaz. He used to work at Bravo. And um, we actually came up with the idea about five years ago because we were trying to find a better way to do red carpet interviews. You know, I was just, I was doing so many for Bravo. And, um, like, I would have to ask, like, what are you wearing? And it got kind of boring. And I just thought that was an uninterested question. So we were like, what could we do? That's like a fun game. We used to play games on the carpet and be like, what's a fun game that we could do and blah, blah, blah. And sort of it evolved into this tiny talk show and it took about five years. 
he moved out to LA, you know, we had kind of been building the set, figuring out what we wanted to do. And then when I was out in LA, uh, this last time for about a month with Andy before his son was born, we just, um, like gang shot five or six episodes with fun, interesting people asking a fun question and, and it really worked and it was just so quirky. You know, I don't think, I don't think any one of us thought that we were going to like reinvent the talk show. It's kind of hard to reinvent it, Mm -hmm. but make it look different. Mm -hmm. And so we had, it's a little between two ferns, a little seven minutes in heaven, Mm -hmm. little Pee Wee's playhouse. Do Uh, you guys make the set yourself? He built that himself. Oh my God. It's so funny. And he does all the prizes himself. So we actually give away small, tiny prizes to people yes. like a game show, you know, your refrigerator, your dishwasher, your furniture set. <laughs> um, and we have like a ton of games that we play, lictionary and tons of basketball games because you can really only play with your mouth. And, you know, it's also portable. So it was a way for celebs to come on that they would just they wouldn't have to travel anywhere and they don't have to worry about what they're going to yeah. wear. I love it. Exactly. I'm really happy for you. I just thank you so much for everyone out there. Check it out at tinytalkshow.com. I'm really thank happy you, for you yeah. guys. Yeah, thank I love you. It, it should be fun. It's just a creative outlet for us, and we're going to see where it goes. And you also, I think, I love what you and John are doing on Martinis and Murder because, of course, what you're talking about, you know, when you're interviewing people, of course, that's very serious. But you're, what you're talking about on your typical shows, they are very serious topics, but I love that you're breathing life into it, and you're kind of like, Dan, your wife is here. <laughs> I love that <laughs> Thank you. It's Thank you so much. I was talking about this the other night with my parents because Mm -hmm. John and I just did a show at the Gramercy Theater for this Death Becomes Us Festival and it's 400 people, you know, we sold it out and I'm backstage and normally I'm like very cool and calm and collected and I was just like, it was a terrible case. It was called about Susan Cox Powell. If you don't know who Susan Cox Powell is, I really don't want to bring you guys all down with her story, but it's, it's very tragic. And involves the whole family. And essentially I said to myself, like, how are we going to make this funny? I mean, this is brutal. It's a brutal murder. It's, it involves multiple people. And, you know, you, you kind of weave ways into doing it. And, and that's what I like. To, uh, that's what I like about John so much is he's such a good, like, he's just so wholesome and sweet. Mm-hmm. And, like, making fun of him helps it to be funny without actually, <laughs> obviously, you no know, one wants to make fun of the murder and make fun of the victims. That's horrible. Uh, but we definitely want to breathe a little life into it. And uh, Martinez and Murder was actually just mentioned in Cosmopolitan this month. I so know, we I very, saw that. We were very stoked about that. So it's it's a new challenge every single week. Politics has we been mentioned nowhere. <laughs> well, well, it'll happen. We've been around a little bit longer. No, I know, I know. We're not. We've been doing this for a few years. Yeah, don't worry about it. We've been but doing this for a few years now. I think that the approach that you and John have is really clever, and it's sort of like what we were doing before. Like, look, we don't wish Trump or Jesse Smollett, or, like, any of these other assholes, the fire festival guy, like, we don't want them to, like, step in front of a bus. Of course not. But, like, you do have to kind of poke fun, I think, sometimes, at people's flawed logic. Because how, yes. you know, and, and I love that you bring that into Martinis and Murder, because, of course, like, murdering someone is never a good idea. No, but, like, but it is sympathy for Ed Kemper, you know? And I'll be like, well, I could see why he would kill right. these people, blah, 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 blah. And John's like, you are literally empathizing with a serial killer right now. I hope that you like it. I'm empathizing with a serial killer. Like we have a good way about it. And, and I do think it gives women, especially like, some sort of control over their lives. Cause it is so scary. I think mm-hmm. it is. So talk to us about Andy and his beautiful little boy. So cute. I know that you probably see him a lot because duh, Andy's your boss. How his name's Benjamin, right? His name is Benjamin. I call him eggs and Benny. Oh, and he's how smiling. is he? 
he's so cute. He's such a chunk. Uh, he loves to fart. This I've oh. learned and this last time. He loves to fart. Can, <laughs> he can rip some pretty good ones. And he always laughs at me, which is nice. And I just like tickle his stomach. And I'm not, for the record, I'm not into children. I'm not one of those women that's like, oh, my God, I want a baby. Oh, my yeah, God. No. I, I really don't have that valve flapping for me. Like, it's just not something that's switching on and off. But for some reason with that kid, uh, I just love him. And I just want to, like, bite his cheeks all the time. He is so, so he really cute. Is. Andy's so lovely with him and seeing like him hold Benny and have Waka come there and like lick the face. I'm I like, was gonna ask, how is Waka with he's great. He's really? so great. Okay. Yeah, dogs have a really good uh stretch for empathy. You know, he got he had like a really, really intense boot camp about a year and a half ago and he's been fantastic since then, no incidents. Good. And he's so sweet with Benny. He's really like a caregiver, like a big brother. And whenever I see the three together, I'm just like, these are my guys. These are my, this is my gang of guys right here. So my cute. Boys. Does it's Andy really- ever bring him to work with him? Yeah, we brought him a week and a half ago because we had to go through some stuff. So we brought him to work and people Aww. were holding him and stuff. And it's it's really cute. The outpouring of love and just gifts my god has been incredible um and it really does take a village to take care of a child rich or mm-hmm. not it's a lot mm-hmm. of time and a lot of energy so i, I give it up to all the parents to do it that um i think it was anderson and benny that was a yeah. really cute pick. It was oh right there when it happened. it was adorable and i'm just so glad i'm really happy for andy i think that he took the time to build this unbelievable empire and surround himself with great people and then yeah. you know now he's got his little man and that's just wonderful Absolutely. um i think so too so is there anything else whilst we have you here is there anything else of yours that you would like to plug what else do you have going on i do well this is this is for only the philly and san francisco listeners it's not coming till new york until the end of the year but i I co-host a CW, CW Philly show, CW Philly in San Francisco, called Unplugged with Araldo and Darren. It's on select Saturdays during the month, two Saturdays uh, during the month at, at noon in Philly and 1.30 in San Francisco. It's a lifestyle show. We get to interview people. It's really fun, very lighthearted. Uh, so I do that every month. And then the only other thing that I have going on, not the only other thing, but the other <laughs> thing that I have going on is a few episodes left of my web series for Bravo called Bravo Pregame, where I interview all the Bravo lebs that uh, come on Watch What Happens Live, and we sort of give you a preview of what's to come on that episode that week of Bravo. So exclusive interviews, exclusive clips. We talk exclusively to the Bravo Lebs, and it's very fun. So you can check that out at bravotv.com slash bravo pregame. Cool. I have a web series called Noobs with Boobs. <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to Skype in for that one. No, you need I'll, – I'll send you the link. It's only three and a half minutes long. I want you to imagine me – Okay. In real life, like how I am, but then like put into a video game. It's a mess. It's an absolute I'm, mess. I'm it's, into that weirdly. Yeah. Well, I'll send you the link after this. But Darren, thank you so much for joining us. It was lovely to have that. you here. Right. Um, thank you for listening to my podcast. And I'm so happy um, you met Sam. She's a dream. And whenever you want to complain about her you can always just slide into my uh, <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> people should know about you you always respond to people that dm you like, yes i do in always. fact i post a taylor strecker show on her podcast every other week and my thing is having people live dm me and reading them to like give them shout outs and no other co-host does it and it's just me and i always try and respond to people if they're willing to take the time for me it's the least i can do to take the time for them 
Well, I love that mentality. And Darren, I adore you. Thank you again so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Ladies, let's buckle up, though, because we've got Mike Kitless coming at us hot and ready to go. We're going to be talking about everything that's going on with the Cardinals and a little bit of the scouting scandal. So stay tuned for It's Bro Time. I, you know, it's it's fine with me. It's just it's a lot of screaming. So the next time I'm just going to either make a noise to counteract it or I'm just <laughs> going to uh, lower my microphone to a, a proper volume to where it sounds like a hello. How are you? Would you like me to go back to the ASMR? Oh, whisper? Christ, no. <laughs> well, look, we've got a lot going on this week. But what I really want to talk to you about is the NFL draft. So Thursday night is round one. Right? Oh, yeah. And then Friday night, we got round two, three, and so on and so on. So what's going on with the Raiders? Does no one trust anybody anymore? Is (laughs) Is that the drift I'm catching? It's a weird situation where John Gruden came out of retirement last year to sign a 10-year contract with the Raiders and basically weave himself into the front office. Uh, been long friends with their owner, Mark Davis, and with their planned move to Las Vegas, they wanted to have him there as an integral piece to help build a perennial winning franchise. Sure. Now, I think the way things shaped out with Gruden kind of tearing down the roster, getting rid of Khalil Mack, and after the trade for Antonio uh, Antonio Brown earlier this year. I know him. He was on Dancing with the Stars. Thank you. He sure was. <laughs> but they they are in a position where they have, um, they have multiple first-round picks. And the first round in the NFL draft is where you find your guys. Um, this is where you find your guys who are going to make your immediate impact. You you know, nobody's ever a sure thing. There's no such thing as a sure thing ever in life, uh, except death, taxes, and the Philadelphia Eagles breaking my heart. But, <laughs> but these are the guys that you know enough that there's a strong chance that they're going to be able to come in and make an impact immediately. There's always the miss. There's always people who, you know, they look good on film. They played better in college, all that kind of good stuff. But with the instance of the the first round for the Raiders, this is a chance for them to fully rebuild and to really get going. So the fact that they have uh, two first round picks this year, um, or I'm sorry, I lied to you. They have three first round picks this year. Um, It's an opportunity for them to get three guys on both sides of the ball that they can potentially get a, a quarterback, which the rumor might be that they trade up and get Kyler Murray. And I think that that led to some dissension. I think the scouts and John Gruden and their uh, their GM, Mike Mayock, are not on the same page. Yeah. But I think Mayock and Gruden are. So in that instance, I, I think it's a funky situation that Real, right yeah. now. Well, yeah, the Raiders it, just sent their scouts home. They're yeah. just like, you can go. So now it's just going to be Mayock and Gruden. Doing right. all of the graft, the draft, the grafting, <laughs> right? And Evans, the drafting. There's always the is, chance. Yeah. Well, there's always the chance too that they could call them up and say, "Hey, guess what? We uh, we want you guys to come back. Like, sorry about that. Let cooler heads prevail." 
having said that, though, there's the chance that that doesn't happen. And even if they do call, I don't know if I'd go back knowing that my job might be on the line at the no, end of this. Like, I'm going to get fired at the end. Are Why am I going to lend me? my expertise? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, like, fool me once, fine. Fool me twice, then I'm a fool. I think when it's been, like, made very clear to you that, hey, we think that you're really valuable, but we can't give you any sort of guarantee that we're going to keep you around. You know, you reach a certain age where you're like, okay, you're now screwing with my livelihood. I'm not going to lend my expertise. I'm not going to put in the effort to come back just so you can give me the boot again. That's very silly. So, all right, fine. Now, what do you think, um, the Cardinals, what do you think is going to happen with uh, their first pick? Yeah, up until... (laughs) Up until the 11th hour last year, everyone believed that it was either going to be Sam Darnold or it was going to be Josh Allen going to Oakland. And instead, we ended up getting Baker Mayfield going there as the first pick. Um, It was the predominant thought that Kyler Murray was going to go, that they were going to trade. So last year, the Cardinals drafted a gentleman out of UCLA by the name of Josh Rosen. Yep. They didn't exactly... Click, we'll say. Um, Josh had a rough year. Granted, they didn't have a lot of stuff around him to, to really help him out too much. But sure. at the same time, with a new coach coming in and kind of losing that luster of, uh, of how things went last year, the predominant thought was they were going to trade Rosen for another pick and they were going to draft Kyler Murray at that first spot. Apparently, though, that's not going to be the case. Apparently. Because, <laughs> yeah, because out of nowhere... Um, their GM came out today and kind of said, yeah, I don't really think that that's going to be the route that we go. And he's vehemently denied any other meetings, anything like that, that it's, it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be Kyler going one, which this is such a deep draft in the instance that of the first 10 picks, seven of them are defensive linemen that it's, it's not a quarterback draft beyond Kyler. I mean, Dwayne Haskins played great, but I don't think he's going to be the answer. Um, Who somebody do you think earlier, is going to be the answer? I mean, the kid out of Duke, um, uh, Daniel Jones, He's he's got the build for it, but that just means he's a six foot four to six foot seven white quarterback who can throw the ball. Like, that's all that means when they say that a guy has. It's kind of like you. Yeah, except minus Plus about two five inches. inches. No. Right. Dude, and, you're six and, feet tall, aren't you? Nah, 5'11". No, you're not. 5'11", but I'm taller when I stand on my wallet. Uh, you've already made that joke, Mike. Oh, you did I? You can't do it again. Yeah. All right, whatever. No, anyway. it's good. All right, um, But yeah, so that's... Shady. Shady yeah, that's, stuff, man. That's this nuts. Is, it's, it's at the point, though, too, where like somebody had previously said that um, Josh Rosen, who of course was drafted last year, is the fourth best quarterback in this draft this year. So it's it's not something that it's not far fetched to think that a team could call the Cardinals and say, "Hey, we want Rosen in the first pick," or "Hey, we want Rosen. We'll give you another first round pick." Like there's draft day is a, a great day where anything in the world can happen. There are some great trades that always happen the day of, um, but. This is this is a deep defensive draft, and I really think um, I really think that that's what the the Cardinals are going to do. I would be surprised if if Murray goes first. Um, that's that's what I'm really thinking. Okay, all right. 
Well, next week we've uh, we've got the Kentucky Derby. Do you we have do. any? <laughs> do you have any favorites picked out already? Do you go to a Kentucky Derby party? I was going to say my favorite is the mint julep. Um, (laughs) no i i do love derby day derby day is always fun there's uh plenty of fun activities no matter where you look Uh, make sure you uh make sure you get out and look around for a nice party and get yourself a nice big hat because it's a it's a fun time well if you feel like coming out to uh to the country i'd love to have you i'm visiting my folks and uh we have a kentucky derby party every year and every year three people go home very rich so you know, you could thicken up your wallet, so to speak, and stand on it and be even taller. <laughs> if there are real horses to ride, I'm in because that's that's what I'm going to do. Well, my house that my parents live in was uh, a horse stable back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So um, I have three cats. You can ride one of them. But no, wait, you know, I don't think that'll work cat. out well. Right. And I don't think that would work out well for the cats or anyone involved, really. Let's be real. Oh, my God. Well, thank you very much for this super quick rundown. Really appreciate it. Once again, babe, it's you and me closing out the episode. We're getting good at this. I yeah. know. It's, it's getting almost really like we good planned at... it. <laughs> well, I appreciate this. And then I think, um, I don't know what the heck's going on next week, but I really want to have you on for a longer segment next week because I need a little, we need a little more kitless in our lives. And you've yeah. been doing such a good job. You can follow uh, Mike. At uh, at Mike IBT on Instagram, and you can also follow his show, which is it's time on Instagram. So thank you so much for tuning in to Dixon Politics and It's Bro Time. We love having you with us every Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else. You can learn more about us at whatever you say productions.com. Once again, my name is Samantha. And my name is Mike. And you've just listened to Dix and Politics. Very nice, babe. Very nice. Thanks so much, Mike. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Dicks and Politics. Fresh, digestible content straight from millennials. You can learn more at dicksandpolitics.com.